Hello and welcome back to What the Food. We've taken a break and we're back. It feels good we're to back. be back. Mm. Um, we've taken, what, three weeks off or something? Maybe? Uh, Maybe more? Yeah, four three, weeks? Three, three and a bit weeks, four weeks. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. In that time, um, I chilled out, uh, cleaned the car. I I think I put on a couple of pounds. I've eaten a bit yeah. too much food. Andy has got married and bought a house. So yeah. you kind of make me look a bit lazy <laughs> in the time that I've had off. <laughs> No, you, no, no. mad bastard. You were doing bits. You were doing bits. You, uh, that, that car was filthy, to be fair. So it was a big old big old job to clean that. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. It was horrendous. Uh, do you have a nice nice break, though? Yeah, it yeah. was nice. It's very nice. Lots of walks. Go anywhere nice? You go maybe sun yourself in the south of France, maybe? Or? No, 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 no. Just um, just like up the road to the to the Dales. Yeah. Just, yeah, staycation. Nice. Well, that's over now. Um, It's back to the grind and back to your little editing cave. For the rest of the year, okay? I don't want to hear a peep out of you, all right? See you none, later. Of these, none of these little sunny Saturday walks to the Dales. None of these barbecuing <laughs> yeah. on a Sunday, mate. It's, a, it's over. I hope it's you enjoyed over. it. You've you got to be edited. The people want yeah. you to be edited. Yeah, my girlfriend has realised that she actually had a boyfriend these past couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, She's that's, like, where did this guy come that's from? That's going to change again, I'm afraid. It's worth it. Do you know what? It's a sacrifice that I am willing to make because best podcast on the planet, in my opinion. Am I right? Yeah, yeah exactly. There's, there's 10 reviews that our uh, family members have left have uh, really backed that up as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's all, you know, concreted with that lovely influx of cash that we get from doing this too. Yeah. 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 You know, that's always helpful, isn't it? Exactly. Mm. Shout out Nan, five stars. <laughs> Shout out Nan. Shout out mum, five stars. Love five it. Stars. <laughs> so um, for those of you that have never listened to the podcast, this is a podcast that aims to uncover the fascinating origin stories behind dishes, food items and drinks from all around the world, popular and some obscure. So today, what are we looking at, Andy? Well, today is definitely not obscure. No. And the way that I kind of had the idea to cover this topic was over our short break, I was mm. contemplating what to what to cover, what our uh, kind of first food mm. or drink should be. Um, and it dawned on me one morning as I was making a fat stack of pancakes. Ooh. Yeah. So as I finished kind of flipping the mm. last pancake, turned my attention to toppings, as you do, reaching into one of the cupboards in my kitchen. Don't know why I said it like that, because... <laughs> you know I'm doing well. Get the blow by when I've got yeah. multiple cupboards in my kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so, everything is so specific. Like walked in barefoot, no yeah. socks. Not sure why. Went up to the counter, left cupboard. Not sure. Don't know why. Not sure. <laughs> Reaching in, I felt a familiar shaped jar. The jar was waiting, begging to be pulled out and utilised once again. It had a, it had some heft to it. It had some heft to it. It had some heft to it. And it's the contents of the jar that mm. is is the first topic that we're going to be covering now that we're back Milo. and today we're going to be covering nutella the origins of nutella, nutella. it's a big one because mm. it's a household name isn't it this it is. is not a, an obscure this is a this no. is a popular dish this dish, popular mm. dish. Food, item. food item food item yeah i'd say so i'd say so people really love nutella they do it's i mean we were talking just before we um started recording there's certain brands that don't really have much of a competitor at the mm. same level and i feel like nutella's kind of one of them isn't it yeah when you're yep. thinking yep. about chocolate spreads you mm. are thinking about nutella you have, they have a few like pretenders knocking around, don't they? Like, um, yeah. like supermarket own hazelnut Stop, yeah. chocolate spread. But you're right. You're right. People love it. And we love it. We have a little bit of history with it. Don't we, Miles? <laughs> 
I was hoping you wouldn't bring this up. <laughs> oh, I mean, do you want to or do you want me? Uh, we're gonna. Can... We've, we're here now. We have to. Yeah, you can go if you want. You can go. You can tell the tale of uh, two high school porkers. <laughs> the tale of two high school porkers. Well, back in the day when me and Andy were at school with each other, we were both kind of chunky boys. Mm. I mean, I'm still a chunky boy. Andy's not so much, but we were both, you know, porky boys. And um, one day we, we st- I stayed over at Andy's house and the next morning we went over to Morrison's and to get some stuff for lunch. And... I don't know what came out. I just don't know. I can't get my head around why we decided to do this. I really can't. But we just, we, we picked up a jar of Nutella. 750 Gs. <laughs> 750 Gs. Yeah. <laughs> not the fucking, not, not the one. 250, no, 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 not the no. little single portion pot. We went for the 750 G bad boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, we, you know, we left Morrison's you know, with a spring in our step, walking back across the car park towards Andy's house. Yeah. And not we a were long so... walk, by the way, not a long walk, probably about four <laughs> no, minutes door like to door, probably. 250 <laughs> yards. And I don't know why, but we just couldn't wait to get back. So <laughs> we started tucking him to a jar of Nutella on the walk back, mm-hmm. using the, the malleability of the plastic lid <laughs> as a scooping device. <laughs> <laughs> to scoop up ridiculous amounts of Nutella to shove into our porky mouths. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we did. We did. We did most of the jar. <laughs> I think half of the jar was gone by the time we got. Home, yeah. By the time we got back, and I just think for the poor, poor people that would have seen that sight. <laughs> Yeah, because for the for the listeners as well, the, the the walk back you're going along a dual um, dual carriageway, main almost. road, yeah, yeah. road. <laughs> like a road where it's worth having billboards <laughs> on it that, <laughs> that has that much traffic. Yeah. <laughs> so we it's fair to say we'd have been seen by by a, a big bunch of people, yeah. and um, yeah, we were just scrambling Nutella just raw. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Anyway. You, it's your fault, Andy. It's your fault. You Why brought is it, it my up. fault? Because <laughs> oh, you no, brought it up. Your oh, fault. No, I'm, having say, I'm having to say all this. Um, <laughs> Glimpse into our uh, childhood there. Um, yeah. You know, it's not my proudest moment. But. No, no. But, but we both had great bods and picked up hot chicks on the regs, didn't we? Oh, Nutella. Yeah. So Nutella. it's not just us that love it. I think no. it's, you know, I mean, maybe, yeah, no. Maybe we, we're we the biggest lovers. <laughs> <laughs> we are the biggest lovers. We, we trump everybody else. Everybody, yeah. It's a miracle that this podcast just isn't about Nutella exclusively. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the Nutella? Yeah. And every episode is just like another, another look at a different aspect of Nutella. Um, something that I came across that I thought was funny when I was doing like a little bit of research before this, yeah. I found um, a thread on Reddit that I thought I, thought I would just quickly <laughs> blast through before we get into it. One. So the post was from uh, I can't even see who it was. It's been deleted now, but it just says, "Do you love Nutella?" is the is the title of the of the thread. And yeah. I'm I'm just going to quickly like rinse through some of the comments in order. Mm-hmm. I would eat a fucking corpse if it was covered in Nutella. <laughs> Next comment: I'll eat the ones that aren't. We'll make a great team. Jesus. They should include this quote as a testimonial on the bottle. I'd buy products with the guts to do that. Wait, 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 wait. Where where's this person living when Nutella comes in a bottle? 
<laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Germany, uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. All right, so next one. I would eat a fucking box of live kittens covered in Nutella just for the mere chance of eating a fucking corpse covered in Nutella. Fucking hell, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know. All right, it kind of makes our story a bit more tame, doesn't it? More yeah, PG. Yeah, this is what I'm going for. I'm trying to like take a bit of the heat off us. I eat it with cat food. Shut up, you fucking prawn. Pro tip, if you microwave the jar for a few seconds, you can chuck the whole thing and keel over and then die because your arteries are filling with chocolatey hazelnut goodness. Then you have to polish it off quick before it crystallises. It's awesome, especially on crepes. Perhaps it's just one normal person at the end. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So... Yeah, I use it on toast. (laughs) Yeah, boom. (laughs) Cheers, Dave. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we aren't the only ones, I would like to say. Um, We're not one of those people, though, Miles. (laughs) We're not. (laughs) Don't put us into the same camp as them. (laughs) Nutella. So that's why we're all here today. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? So what is Nutella? We always kind of start an episode by just looking into the item that we're going to be covering, uh, food or drink. Um, So let's start there. So Nutella Ferrero is one of the most famous and appreciated Italian excellencies in the world. Excellencies. Mm, That's a choice of the word, that. Excellencies. What actually is it? Well, Nutella is a brand of sweetened hazelnut cocos bread. That's its kind of purest Mm. form. Of, of, of the definition of a of Nutella. Sweetened hazelnut cocoa spread. Cocoa spread, exactly. So it's not a chocolate spread with hazelnut. It's nope. hazelnut with cocoa. cocoa. Spread. Exactly, exactly. Mm, so okay. despite being called this, however, the primary ingredients in Nutella are neither hazelnuts or cocoa. They are instead sugar and palm oil. <laughs> <laughs> right. Brilliant. Okay. Um, Together, combining more than 50% of the total ingredients. So 50% of the ingredients in Nutella are sugar and palm oil. Oil and sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Over 50%. Over 50%. 13% is hazelnuts and 7% is cocoa. And the rest is fucking weird ass additives and whatever else. Oh my God. Okay. So this is really not good for us. No, really, really not good for us. Uh, I mean, in in most countries, Nutella is actually marketed as hazelnut cream. Um, Okay. And fun fact, under Italian law, it can not be labelled as chocolate cream as it does not meet the minimum cocoa solids concentration mm. criteria. It doesn't have yeah. enough cocoa in it to be labelled as chocolate. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. Because it's just not, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't oh actually find out what kind of what the threshold was. Um, but the fact that Nutella kind of doesn't qualify surprised, surprised me a little bit. For something that's so like chocolatey mm. as well. Yeah, that's mad. That is yeah. mad. Well, we'll get um, to kind of how how it is so chocolatey. Mm. That's kind of part of the history of it. But it's uh, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And in it, in palm oil as well. It's like yeah. that's got like <clears throat> really bad effects on the environment, hasn't it? Deforestation and yeah, it does. destroying like habitats of orangutans and things like that. It does. I think as of we'll get into it maybe a bit later. I think I've got the exact dates, but as of mid 2000s the palm oil mm. that is used in nutella has been um sourced environmentally um right apparently they have kind of sorted it out where they're not destroying the rainforests but mm. so back when we were eating it walking across morrison's car park were oh, we in environmentally friendly no, no, palm oil no, no, or no, no. Is tree it? trees were on fire as we were shoveling that into our gobs. right yeah yeah. So, okay, so that was, so we were, we were, yeah. we were, uh, contributing. exactly, <laughs> exactly. So in a kind of standard UK jar of Nutella, you will find sugar, palm oil, hazelnuts, skimmed milk powder, fat reduced cocoa emulsifiers uh, that include lechins and vanillin. So they're kind of okay. the main ingredients that are in Nutella kind of nowadays. Um, mm. And you might be surprised to hear 
that Nutella was not the first of its kind. Okay. No, no. So hazelnut spreads were being made back in Italy in 1806. And it's at this year and at this point in history that we start our origin story for Nutella. Oh, so it's not the first. It's a copy. Exactly. Exactly. So... The year is 1806. Lewis and Clark are on their jollies exploring the US. Uh, Horatio Nelson has just been buried and Napoleon himself has just banned all trade with Britain. Yeah, drawn a line in the sand, Napoleon. He has, he has. In this era as well, kind of the world is becoming a much smaller place, you know, thanks to humans conquering the seas and you've got exciting spices, foods and resources from the Americas, now commonplace in Europe, kind of largely thanks yeah. to our, our good old friends, the Spaniards doing their Spanish thing, conquering the new world, making everybody happy and nobody died. Um, <laughs> One of those kind of new and exciting foods was, of course, chocolate. Mm. So the Spaniards introduced coca to Europe in the 1500s. And quite rightly, the Europeans went crazy for it. Mm, Because one thing about us Europeans is we've got a sweet tooth, haven't we? Mm. We love sweet things. We do. We love our cakes and our pies. and Sugar. Just anything with sugar sugar. in it. Sugar. Tea with sugar. and yeah. 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 Well, Italy in particular was a big fan of chocolate. And kind of around the 1800s, some of Europe's best chocolatiers resided in the uh, Piedmont region, which is like the very north of Italy, kind of around like Turin. Can you grow um, cocoa beans in Italy? Is that why they had like a bit of a... A fixation no, I, of chocolate I, before we did. No. no, I don't believe you can. It probably got to them first, did it then? Maybe? Exactly. Yeah. So it was just on a port yeah. where kind of goods were, were brought in from the Americas and kind of traded in the in the Piedmont region. Right. Um, okay. So they just that had access sense. to it, basically. So mm. yeah, kind of around the Turin areas, these chocolatiers were producing some of the finest quality chocolate known to man. So kind of they've got that going for him. But in 1806, um, as I kind of said before, Napoleon banned all trade with Britain. Um, mm. And this was kind of called the continental system. And it basically banned all British goods from entering ports under French control. And at this time, obviously, France is a massive empire that controls a lot of Italy um, and obviously loads of areas throughout Europe. But specifically, what we're interested in is the Italian control. And with kind of less and less cocoa coming into the region of Turin, prices skyrocketed and local chocolatiers struggled to get their hands on the product that they needed to carry out the high level making of chocolate they were doing yeah Um, high demand exactly exactly and as we've seen before when times get hard people get creative and creative they Mm. got there are two theories kind of around the creation of nutella's uh grandfather one is that in 1852 a bloke called uh michele prochet had the idea of using hazelnuts to extend the supply of chocolate he had and to basically extend the life of his chocolate supply. Oh, so I water down the, the cocoa with the added hazelnuts. Exactly, exactly, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and luckily for Michele, hazelnuts are bountiful in Piedmont, especially in the Lange Hills in the to the south of Turin. Um, so they've got like an abundance of hazelnuts to use. Yeah, and they're like top dish quality as well. Like Ooh, they're like renowned okay. for being incredible hazelnuts with a proper unique flavour. Mm. I love hazelnuts, I think they're great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't it's really, really eat nice them flavor. just by themselves yeah. normally. Well, it sounds weird, but like the flavor of hazelnuts is better than the eating experience. They're dry and yeah, kind of... I agree. Yeah, I agree. Not yeah. the best eating experience, mm. but the flavor of hazelnut mm. in something else is, is brilliant. It's good. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So what Michele did or Prochet did, he created this combination with these hazelnuts and, and, mm. and the kind of remaining chocolate that he had. And he created a product called Janduja. Um, Janduja. Janduja, yeah. And it's very much like a level one Nutella, yeah. you know, proper starter gear, very little talent points or knowledge, very kind of 
base level starting point. And that's kind of one of the theories. But yeah. if the, if this theory was true, it would mean that Prochet did all of this when he was just 13 years old. Now, mm. not saying a 13-year-old lacks the ability to mix cocoa, sugar, and hazelnuts together. You know, it's a pretty yeah, easy thing to enough. do. Yeah. But maybe it's a bit of a stretch to say that a wee child invented the product. Yeah, yeah. Depends. I mean, back then there was less to do, wasn't there? You know, maybe... <laughs> Maybe you are just yeah, throwing like, things in a in, in a pot and mixing them, see just what seeing what the fuck tastes good. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Another theory, and perhaps a more likely theory, is that a chocolate manufacturing company called Caffarel were the original inventors. This company was founded in Turin during the 19th century, and according to them, it was them um, who <laughs> who founded. <laughs> according to me, it is me, <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't really find like any other source that said it was them apart from them. <laughs> oh, I'd rather it be the 13-year-old person. I'd much rather yeah. a, a human being be the person who's accounted for as the yeah. inventor rather than just like a the idea of a company yeah, being the inventor of it. I do. Well, Caffarel was founded in 1826 by Pierre-Paul Caffarel. And what he did was he converted an ex-tannery into a chocolate factory. Ooh, okay. Do I want my chocolate leathery? <laughs> I was going to say, I was trying to make some connection there, but... <laughs> yeah, maybe I do, you know, yeah. maybe a nice little leather, yeah. chocolate with leather notes, um, maybe. I don't know, like, with the percentage of cocoa that we found out that's actually in Nutella, fuck knows you know, what else animal products are sneaking yeah. in there. Somewhere else from the tannery. Yes, yeah, somewhere else from the tannery. <laughs> um, <laughs> else from the bloody tannery, I'll tell you that now. <laughs> so, Caffarel are thought to have been the original inventors of a, kind of a similar chocolate bite known as um Juanduito. Juanduito. Some fucking Italian saying I'm absolutely nailing those <laughs> pronunciations. But um so this yep. product that they made was basically a Nutella shaped ingot that was wrapped in foil and eaten as like a little chocolate bite. Mm, sounds nice. So it wasn't like a spread or anything like that. It kind of resembles like a Toblerone, but instead of like the full mountain range, you just get like a single piece. Bar. Um okay. and you know, wrapped in foil and kind of ready to just be popped into your mouth. Are there little bits of hazelnut in Toblerone? There are. Yeah, there Is are. That what it, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah I knew that because obviously there's little bits of nugget, isn't isn't there? Nougat. Mm-hmm. Nougat. There are little white flecks in it and I, I knew it was some kind of nut, but I wasn't sure if it was hazelnut or not. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is, it is. I love Toblerone. I think they're great. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's mm. very good. It's very good. Did you know that the the reason, well, actually, I don't know if this is a legit reason, but I had a bit of an epiphany when I wrote this um, bit about Toblerone mm. and the full mountain range. Is is Toblerone meant to be that shape because it's meant to um, show like- Look like the mountain mountains, of the Swiss mountains. Swiss Alps, yeah. Could be, yeah. Is that, have I just made that well, up? I mean, yeah. it's a very inconvenient shaped chocolate, isn't it? Like not only to eat, yeah. but oh, also yeah. to manufacture. <laughs> Many a times. Like, I hurt my mouth on a bit of Toblerone. Uh, Many absolutely. Even, like, I've hurt my fingers trying to snap it before. Yeah, yeah it's a strong um, chocolate. It's yeah. a strong chocolate. So not only is it an inconvenience to those eating it, but also manufacturing it. They've had to create like really unique, specific moulds for that. Mm-hmm. And it's probably come at quite a great cost to them at some point in time. Mm-hmm. So they must really care for the triangular shape. Yeah. It's, um, got, it's got to mean something. Yeah. It would make sense that that care and attention comes from the fact that they're proud of where they're from. And that would be the, the triangle shape of the mountains, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that makes maybe, sense. Maybe, maybe. We'll do anyway. an episode on Toblerone. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Next week. Next week. Just chocolate now. Just That's chocolate. All we do. That's all we do. Yeah. Yorkie yeah. the week after. Not for girls. <laughs> I can't believe that, 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 that. They would never get away with that these days, would they? No. No, they really wouldn't. That is, that's an advertising campaign that is not future proof. No. No, 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 no. Not for girls. Not for girls. Not great. No. Um, so on the back of his kind of this invention, the precursor to Toblerone, these little bites, he oh, yeah. um, is thought 
Caffrell is thought to have produced kind of another uh, new type of chocolate in 1852 by mixing uh, cocoa, sugar, and these high quality hazelnuts that are um, renowned in the in, in the um, in the area. Um, and in 1865, he then began producing it kind of regularly, and he called the product uh, Janduya. So two different claims there. Which do you think is more likely, the 13 year old boy kind of mixing potions in his kitchen, or the chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know. Now that we've delved into the into the the corporation one, I think maybe that's probably more likely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, they've got the means, they've got the technology, haven't they, to do that? Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, like as well, when you're mixing it, it's I don't know, it's quite it's going to be quite hard to do, isn't it? Like you've got you've got well, I don't know. With the mortar and pestle, you could probably do it fine, but you've got to grind mm. everything up. And I think like ha- yeah. having a, a factory mm-hmm. would help with that process. Yeah, I'd say so. And at this point, obviously, we're not talking about like spreads either. This isn't spreadable at all at the moment. It's basically like a brick, right? So it's just like hazelnut infused chocolate. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Break. The name, by the way, has an interesting etymology, the um, Janduya. So before mm. kind of Janduya uh, had any connection to chocolate, it was the name of a famous masked character of um, popular kind of Italian culture in kind of a theatre. Yeah. Um, so wearing kind of a tricorn hat and a brown jacket with with kind of reddish borders, Janduya is like an honest peasant of the uh, Pier- Piemontese countryside. Um, right, okay. And his like whole character symbolises the cheerfulness of the northern region of Piedmont. Whoa. So it all plays into chocolate. You know, it's a cheery thing. It makes yeah. you feel good. Exactly. And he was exactly. also wearing a brown jacket, did you say? Yeah, he was. Brown jacket, red borders. Yeah. 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 Kind of colours of chocolate sometimes. Some, sometimes. Brown and red. Well, <laughs> the red bit, maybe not, but yeah. <laughs> the brown yeah. bit. Um, yeah, they were well into their masks in um, Italy, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Like theatre and... Yeah, even today, um, like the, the character today is considered like, uh, is, is used as like the official carnival mask in Torino. No way. And is worn kind of throughout yeah. uh, festivities. Um, Venice, they do a lot of, is, they have the Venetian masks, don't they? They do. Yeah, they do. They're kind of famous for their mask making. Exactly. But this um, this kind of practice wouldn't last forever. Um, obviously, with uh, once kind of the war between the British and the French ended, the supply of cocoa returned um, and people kind of didn't need to put hazelnuts in their chocolate anymore yeah. to kind of make things last. So kind of the pure style came back in, um, less people use hazelnuts and uh, kind of things went back to normal and hazelnuts fell out of favour, really. They fell out of favour until kind of war ravaged Europe again. <laughs> hazelnuts and war kind hazelnuts of again. hand in hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. If, you find, if you look down at your plate of food and there's hazelnuts, just know you're at war. You're at war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 100, 100 or so years after the blockade had been put in place by Napoleon, war once again ravaged. Europe. Different enemy this time, though. It was, of mm-hmm. course, World War II, the Nazis, and Adolf Hitler. It's a big one. It's a big one. Probably the biggest of ones. Yeah. 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 I'd agree. So, so, as war ravaged the globe, food rationing across Europe was, of course, in full effect, and the luxuries of life were in very short supply again. You know, this meant that not only was chocolate incredibly expensive to buy, but it was almost impossible to actually find a bar. Mm. So in regions like Piedmont, which was rife with expert chocolatiers who had been practicing their craft for years, this was a massive problem. Yeah. But again, I mean, you just don't need, you don't need chocolate, do you? It's, it's, no, um, no. it's a purely luxury item, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. It's not part of your so, five a day, is it? No. Well, me and you at 14, it was. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Five jars a day. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it's healthy, in it? It's got nuts in it. Am I right? No? All right. Um, but as kind of um, what happened during Napoleon's time, uh, one man decided that he was going to do something about it. One man to bring back chocolate. 
<laughs> yeah, like like a feature film, a Michael Bay Starring film. Starring Nicolas Cage <laughs> as the one man. <laughs> as the one man, unnamed, but he brings back Jacqueline. <laughs> so this one man was going to find a way to continue making great tasting chocolate dishes despite the lack of actual chocolate knocking about. Mm-hmm. And this man was a Piedmontese pastry chef known as Pietro Ferrero. Ferrero? Ferrero. Oh, I've heard of that name before. You've heard of it, you've heard of it. So Pietro was born on the 2nd of September, 1898, and he is the original founder of Ferrero International, an Italian confectionery and chocolatier company that, of course, you will know doubt have heard of. These are the guys that are making Ferrero Rochers, Nutella, uh, Kinder, Tic Tacs, Ooh. and much more. All sorts of shit. Kinder? Yeah. I don't know. It sounds like Ferrero as a company specialise in chocolate that has very little chocolate content. <laughs> <laughs> Kinder is kind of known for its like creaminess and mm-hmm. it's basically like milk that yep. you're eating. Yeah, like, like bars, hard milk. bars of milk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, they've got a little niche for Aero of just making chocolate that's not actually chocolate. Yeah, just start, start palm oil. They've got that palm oil on lockdown. <laughs> yeah, haven't they? Yeah, because yeah, I, bet, I bet that's in uh, Kinder as well, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah, it will be. It's will silkiness be. and yeah, yeah, yeah. mad. We know what you're up to, Ferrero. We know what you're up to. So, yeah, I mean, today they're obviously a global powerhouse, but yeah. back then... You know, Pietro owned a small bakery um, in the town of Alba. Tiny little bakery kind of was nothing really. Yeah. But Alba itself is a town that is known locally for kind of producing some top quality hazelnuts. So he had a good base. He had a good supply. He had a good plug, basically. Thinking of these top quality hazelnuts, Pietro had an idea. Well, he had loads of ideas, to be fair. He was like a tireless inventor. So a quote that we have from Pietro's son states... He had inventor syndrome. He would wake up at any hour, go to the laboratories and write in the middle of the night. Would wake up his wife saying, taste this. This is a great recipe. So that was um, from his grandson, Giovanni Ferrero. He's like the head of Ferrero now. He's just constantly inventing. And he just would wake up his wife in the middle of the night saying, taste this. It's a great recipe. Mm. I mean, I'm always, I'm always up for someone coming over and saying, taste this. I think it's amazing. At four in the morning. Yeah. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to be awoken to someone holding a Kinder egg and being like, try this. (laughs) Pietro, please, please. I'm up at the crack of dawn. I've got to take the bisons down to the river for a wash. I do not need this chocolate. down to the river for a wash. I don't know. I just tried to come up with a... How do you think people in Italy live, man? With a, with a, with a task of the, of the 18th <laughs> century. down by the river. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Got dirty bisons, man. Why does it matter? Why does it matter if they're dirty? <laughs> I don't know. You want to keep them healthy for the bison milk. <laughs> Right. Obviously, obviously, I'm not from the no. 18th century, you know, Italian hills. There's just bison <laughs> roaming around. Those North American bison just roaming freely around. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> you look like, in this podcast, I'll say a bunch of clever shit. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> And then occasionally, you know, I will let slip how actually actual stupid I am. Yeah. And this is one of those occasions. That's one of it. 
Yeah, market. Anyway, so he's a tireless inventor, but the idea that we're interested in now is the one where he would basically reintroduce the method that our, um, the guy that we talked about before, the Prochet, invented yeah. all those years ago to make Jandouille. Mm. But he would do things a little differently. Pietro would do things a little differently. So being a pastry chef, he actually made his Jandouille into kind of a uh, loaf that you could mm. cut and actually spread onto an actual loaf. Right. Yeah, mm. I've got you. So it's like a, yeah, like a rectangle wedge of it that you yeah. slice. It's like an Nutella a log basically mm, yeah. um okay. which just you know saying that aloud has got me salivating like, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, it's got my 14 year old self shivering with excitement <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> feel my blood sugar just rising just by the name of it oh, what was that <laughs> why don't they do um nutella bars well do you know what they do they do a nutella bar that's kind of like got um wafer around it no 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 i'm not no, talking you think about you just yeah just okay Talking about, you get a jar of Nutella and you you, yeah. you get a mold and you put that jar in the mold and you, I don't know, freeze it or it's, whatever. It's too wet though, isn't it? Well, you dry it up, a hairdryer or something. <laughs> dry it up, <laughs> dry it up, mate. I mean, yeah, I think you are on something. They could make a version of Nutella that's, that sets and put mm. that into a bar because I think that would do well. Yeah. There is a bar though that's got wafer around it. It's like, it's like um, Kinder Buenos, but mm. like Nutella version and they're a bit wider yeah, and flatter. Just, just the wafer's just taking up space in it. Yeah, just... Yeah. Ditch the wafer. Ditch just the give me, give me the yeah, good right. shit. Missing a trick there. Yeah. So this product that he made, this Janduya, he actually called it Pasta Janduya, which I'm not, I couldn't really find why he called it that, mm. but it, that's what it was known as. And he wrapped it in aluminium foil and kind of cut it into slices. Right. Again, nice little reference with the foil. You know, one of the reasons why Ferrero Rocher's wrapped in foil. Oh. Uh, nod to the history. So this Janduya was like a semi-solid product. It was kind of like butter, but like well-hard butter. <laughs> and basically you needed a knife to cut it before it could eaten it would last an absolute age as well uh making it kind of super convenient for consumers so mm. mothers would send their children to buy kind of the famous um panettone bread and oh, yeah. they would buy this little spread as well and they would spread this lovely hazelnut mm. chocolate butter and the chandouille onto the bread and kind of intensify the flavors that sounds awesome mm. i mean that's one of the positives of it not having much dairy content is the fact that it does last a long time when you buy a jar of yeah. nutella it can sit in your cupboard for fucking ages can't yeah, it exactly So that's, I guess, one of the pros of it, you know, having this extra shit in it is that it does last ages. Yeah. It's quite a convenient food item, isn't it? Yeah, in that sense. Definitely. Very convenient. And it was, at the time, it was obviously a way of offering kind of an out of reach wartime luxury Mm. to people during wartime. Keep morale up. Exactly. Keep people happy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, the Italians need kind of all the morale that they can get because things don't go well for them. (laughs) Anyway, Pietro sold his level one Nutella log right up into his eventual death in 1949 and it might have ended all there for the Ferreros had a certain son not been waiting in the wings ready to grab the hazelnuts and run with them whoa and that son was Michele or Michele I think it's Michele Michele it's basically Michelle but manly (laughs) (laughs) Michelle (laughs) it's Michele definitely Michele Michele so Michele was Pietro's son and he started kind of when Pietro started out um, in the 40s, 1940s, he did so with his son. And together they kind of transformed the pastry shop into a factory with kind of the Ferrero family being the first Italian manufacturer after World War II to open production sites and offices abroad in the kind of confectionery sector. So they were very oh, much okay. like the first people to do yeah, that. To the they, forefront of that, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And they turned kind of the, the company into a truly international group. So kind of these first and decisive steps were thanks to the products invented by Pietro and his son and kind of that level one Nutella log the starting point for things but as we've kind of said it was a bastard to spread 
right? If your bread was too soft, there was a 100% chance that spreading that paste would result in a hole, like 100% chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, going back to the drawing board, Ferrero, or yeah, Michelle. So Pietro's died at this point. Ferrero is, is yep. leading the, the company. He went back to the drawing board. And How 19- do I make this more slippery? I make this more slippery for the bread. <laughs> So in 1951, they adapted their original kind of jandouille recipe into the super crema jandouille. Oh, super crema. Super crema. So the super crema was a much more spreadable version of yeah. um, Pietro's original invention. And it was much closer to the kind of the good stuff we know and love today. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Like you, you get the people that start these companies, you know, like his dad, Pietro, and mm-hmm. he's like coming up with the original recipe and the original concept. And then he's quite lucky that he's got a son. I mean, I know he, he, he kind of dies and he doesn't get to see the full mm-hmm. scope of his ideas, but then he, he's lucky enough to have a son who's kind of understands technology and, and the ideas mm-hmm. of taking it out to the rest of the world. But yeah. I wonder how many, like, you know, people have come up with amazing recipes on the small scale, but not had the means or, mm. or even just not pass down the recipe to their sons yeah. and daughters. Had a child that just wasn't interested. Yeah. And, mm. you know, because Michelle could have just easily have been like, I don't want to do this. And yeah. just went off and washed bison instead. So it's like, <laughs> how many other things have we missed? Exactly. That just haven't been passed down. Yeah. How many Nutella logs are out there? Just waiting to be yeah. waiting to be made more slippery. I don't Sad. know. Sad. So the company marketed their Super Crema Jandouille to children specifically um, because it was like... Well, you get the kids, you get the adults. You get the kids. Yeah, exactly. You, you, like, Mommy, Danny, I want you. Yeah. And exactly. then, you know, you've got, then you've got the adults. You've got all of them. Yeah. You've got the whole family in it then at that point. Easy. Easy. Target the kids. That's what I say. <laughs> Do not promise. take that quote. <laughs> Target the kids. That's what I say. Yeah. Miles Dickinson. Clip that. Clip April that, 2022. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't, don't take that. <laughs> Definitely going to clip it. Oh, God. <laughs> Ruin your old career with that quote. <laughs> you could. Take that snip, that snippet and do me in. <laughs> Please don't. Didn't mean it like that. I meant marketing to children. I meant marketing. So this Super Crema Jandini was, yeah, marketed to children. Shout out to Miles for that idea. And it was, um, <laughs> it was marketed as fun, sweet, and a luxurious treat to be had but michel was not done his tinkering did not stop he wanted it even more spreadable even more chocolatey even more hazelnutty and he wanted more money as well so (laughs) yeah (laughs) fair enough yeah that (laughs) That, that underpins the rest (laughs) yeah 100 100 so when his father died in 1949 when pietro died his son uh would have been about 24 and he basically as i said before took everything his father had taught him and absolutely ran with it he um in kind of 63 so 1963 he completely revamped the super crema again with the invention of marketing it throughout europe so he kind of knew that if he wanted his family's invention to be successful outside of italy it would need a catchier name and to be even more spreadable in its consistency Fair enough. so like super crema like i don't know it didn't really roll off the tongue for an english speaker yeah. um and for a german speaker i imagine it's even worth like, super crema like, oh, geez, not <laughs> yeah. great <laughs> no no um, it's a bit more concise exactly exactly so we got his whiteboard out and began brainstorming names and recipes so through trial and error he eventually achieved the consistency he was after by basically adding palm oil to the recipe right okay and kind of this o- odorless neutral taste of palm oil basically what it does is it ensures the smooth texture of Nutella yeah. and it supposedly heightens the flavour and the aroma of all the other ingredients in the food so it 
basically means you need to you can use less hazelnuts, less coca with the yeah. palm oil, but still achieve kind of a high threshold of flavor because the palm oil is elevating what you right. have got in there. That makes sense. Quite a versatile. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, as of 2022, the palm oil used in Nutella is apparently, according to the website, 100% sustainable. Um, we don't want to get sued, so won't say it isn't, but um, they can supposedly fully trace all of their palm oil back to the mills in Malaysia and Indonesia. And I'm sure the working conditions there are top stellar. Notch. Yeah, five out of five hygiene ratings. Um, so he um, got himself sorted on the recipe front. But what about the name? What do you reckon the naming process would have been like? Where do you think you would have ended up on the naming side of things? So you've got Super Crema Shanduya. Uh, now, obviously, you're not Italian. But if you had that name, how would you kind of go from there? Um, creme spread. <laughs> creme spread. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Creme what spread. Was the, what so, was, what? so cum, cum spread basically is like. I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> oh, no, that wouldn't work. That would not work. No, no, Creme no, spread. No, 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 no. no. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like Nutella. Is that not? Is that what you landed on eventually, Nutella? Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know. Nutella's not very elegant sounding, is it? Mm. Mm. I feel like he's gone for something that we we would have called it that he's not really wouldn't have wanted to call it. I don't know. Just, yeah, I mean, it's gone from something sounding quite like exquisite and, and, mm. and delicious to like quite abrupt Nutella. Yeah. You know what I mean, I don't know. It's kind of lost a bit of its elegance, I think. You say that, but like the name, so obviously the nut part of the word is derived from the English word for nut because it's got yeah. nuts in it. Um, but the Ella bit is um, Latin and it's the Latin suffix for sweet. So Ella. Oh, shit. So like, sweet nuts. Sweet, sweet, nut. sweet nuts. Nuts, not sweet. Yeah. yeah. Um, it also shares this Ella with other Creme kind of- spread from my sweet nuts. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so much. So much. <laughs> so much. God. Um, yeah, no, I can't, I can't, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's, yeah, it says everything you want it to say, doesn't it, Nutella? Yeah, exactly. I just feel like we're, we're missing a trick with the with the elegance and the and the kind of Italian artisan chocolatier angle mm. that, that kind of could have been... So you reckon you, sh- you should have called it comes right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Um, this Ella as well, it also shares, um, its name with kind of other soft foods in Italy, like mozzarella, caramella, kind oh, of yeah. just signifies like a subtle, uh, subconscious. Soft. Yeah. Soft. Yeah. This is soft. So the very first batch of Nutella was sold in April, 1964. And one year later, the iconic kind of Nutella jar was designed in Germany in 1965. Right. So um, kind of after the war, just going back to this Germany thing, the, the company actually converted former Nazi missile factories into chocolate factories. Um, oh, and it's hell. within these factories that they began kind of churning out the sweets and kind of gaining a foothold in Europe. Mm. Just came across this kind of not really related, but the, the way that they kind of gained a foothold in Germany was um, they produced this cherry liqueur filled chocolate called Mon Cherry. And this was the thing that got the Germans hooked on Ferrero products. Um, right. And it's crowned from that. That built the trust exactly exactly it's interesting you say because obviously like they started out by converting that mm. tanning factory yeah it's like another one of their niches is like converting factories that aren't prepared to make chocolate <laughs> yeah, products exactly exactly <laughs> into um yeah what's so what were they missing world war ii missile factories Miss, nazi missile factories yeah yeah right well i guess like when when a war's finished you kind of left with all yeah all this war really need it. stuff 
yeah, exactly. that can be reused. The Nazis did do a lot of stuff. So. They did a lot of stuff. The uh, the jars, by the way, interesting little marketing technique as well. So the jars were designed um, to kind of capture penny pinching customers that could basically reuse, that would reuse the containers. So they felt like they were getting two products mm-hmm. in one, really. Like they would buy the Nutella for the kids, which the kids would enjoy. And then the parents would be left with a handy little jar that they could use yeah. for anything later down the line. So they're getting two products in one. Basically, they um, even carried on with that right through to modern day, haven't they? Really, mm. because um, I mean, I, I don't think I've I ever know, reused a Nutella jar, but no, but you could. And I remember yeah. the there's also a version of Nutella that came in a glass, didn't it? So it wasn't the kind of like mm. round, overly jar. Do you remember it used to come in a glass sometimes? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're about. So you could reuse that as a as a drinking glass as well. Exactly, exactly. Nutella's success in Europe was as swift as the Blitz Greek, um, with kind of the Ferrero family quickly conquering Germany and France in kind of nineteen. 19- 1966 um, and then following on conquering the whole of the European market in uh, a few years mm. later. After that Nutella landed in Australia where the first non-European production plant was um, was opened and at the same time the Ferrero, uh, Ferrero the company had become a holding company of international level and soon had kind of around ele- uh, 11 active production plants all over the world so they really fucking oh. grew very quickly. Well there's not much else like it is there? No. I mean obviously in that part, in that region of Italy there would have been but mm-hmm. for the rest of the world that was, it was it's a completely new product isn't it yeah 100%. We, haven't, we haven't tasted anything like this before we've not no. seen anything like it before so it's no. new new and exciting isn't it yeah 100% so and that's kind of one of the reasons why it was so successful mm. so according to estimates more than 400,000 tonnes of Nutella have been consumed today, which is mental. 400,000 tons, that's insane. And Nutella alone accounts for 70% of the market share in the spreadable cream sector, um, which is nutty. (laughs) 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 And the records don't stop there. Like, if you gathered all of the jars of Nutella sold all over the world, um, some kind of like giant skip or something, whatever container you need to hold them all, you'd be able to cover an area eight times the length of the Great Wall of China in Nutella. Oh my God. They're churning it out. Yeah. Which the Great Wall of China is 13,171 miles long. So eight times that <laughs> is the amount of Nutella that's been oh sold. God. And eaten. So that's 105,000 miles long of Nutella. <laughs> <laughs> it's all down to this palm oil because most of it fucking, mm. what do you say? 50% is sugar and palm oil. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, you can churn this stuff out if, you, if you're mixing it with palm oil. Yeah, you can. You can. But it's not all been palm oil and hazelnuts for Nutella since they joined. They've had their fair share of lawsuits and bad press, especially in the US. So in 2011, a Californian um, mum named Athena Hohenberg Hohenberg, alleged in her legal complaint that she fed her four-year-old daughter Nutella after seeing ads that represented the spread as nutritious and as part of a healthy breakfast. Oh dear. So Hohenberg's perception changed when she learned from friends, as her complaint says, Nutella was in fact not a healthy, nutritious food, but instead was the next best thing to a candy bar. I mean, there's two sides to this coin. Yeah. One of them, read the fucking label of what you're eating yeah. before you eat it, because mm-hmm. the information legally is on the back of it. So mm-hmm. it's down to you as a consumer to make sure you're aware of what you're putting in your mouth. Yeah. Other side of the coin, they are cheeky with their marketing. Yeah. They do they make have, it look like it's healthy. Exactly. They did have ads so, that were stating that Teller could be enjoyed as part of a healthy breakfast. And it was kind of yeah. a good way to start the day. I do remember those ads. Yeah. Um, Kids eating it for breakfast and parents giving it to them and exactly. all smiles on the faces everyone looking healthy yeah. it's misleading isn't it it is it is but there comes a point where if something tastes exactly like chocolate well like <laughs> even more chocolatey than and chocolate. creamier than chocolate 
you twig on pretty fucking quickly that it's not going to be great for you, right? <laughs> it's going to be aligned with the nutritional value of said chocolate. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Surely nobody has thought while spreading Nutella, even with all these adverts and whatever, spreading this chocolate spread onto a piece of toast mm. that this is equivalent to an apple. Mm. <laughs> I know, I know. I think it's the nut element though, isn't it? People, and people that aren't really kind of clued up on nutrition, they see nuts and they think nut equals healthy because yeah. we're told nuts are healthy. They're good for us yeah, but you know maybe maybe that's like it. as we as we covered in peanut butter episode yeah nuts are healthy but like when you grind them up into a paste yeah you've got so much fat so in much there fat. yeah exactly. so even even nutella in that sense is not going to be healthy even if it is mm. even if you remove the palm oil and the sugar like it's still lots of nuts and yeah it's just mad to me to think there was a time in this woman's life that she was feeding a kid this chocolate paste thinking this is really healthy and this is going to give her all yeah. the nutrients she needs it's just she can't get my head around that <laughs> no and she wouldn't have been able to win that court case either because the information's on the label like you can't ah. take someone to court for a lack of understanding something that's clearly written surely. well kind of among other things that she wanted uh, aka money mm. Hohenberg's kind of lawsuit sought to stop Ferrero's marketing of Nutella as being healthy uh, so she kind of had like a bit of a, a good motive yeah. for it she basically wanted to kind of make sure that they were running correct ads to inform that inform the public that Nutella isn't healthy yeah well in 2012 Ferrero actually lost right. lose it they settled it um, they settled the case for three million not to her the three million was put aside for consumers who were able to claim four dollars per jar in compensation up to a maximum of twenty dollars <laughs> right okay so so that I mean doing that's gonna just kind of make people want to buy more Nutella yeah, isn't it yeah exactly you buy Nutella and you get some money back you get on some it money back and I imagine they made the compensation process incredibly convoluted oh and difficult so like the amount of people that were would have taken a chunk Just out of that three million would have been I bet I bet they spent half a million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. What was 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 there no clause included in that settlement to change the advertising tactics? Yeah, yeah they had to do that. There was. They had to yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's I mean that's fair enough, I think. Like it was misleading, wasn't it? Yeah. And there's there's interesting there's creative ways you can still market a product to a high standard without having to deceive people. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But mm. to kind of just to put that amount, that three million into perspective. So the in twenty twelve, in the same year that they um settled this case, the Ferrero group made nine point five billion. Okay. So it's literally like two P. Drop in the ocean, pocket change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mental, mental. So yeah. Michelle himself would live up to the ripe old age of 89 and oh. he himself died in Monte Carlo, listed as Forbes's 20th richest man in the world. Whoa. What a place to see out your days as well. Yeah, it's where he lived. Where he lived. Awesome. Uh, mainly because of tax. But um, in, um, in his lifetime, he managed to amass a personal wealth of 26 billion. Oh my God. Which is insane. And upon his death, he left his entire fortune to his one living son, Giovanni. Um, he did have another son um, who was called Pietro, but he died of a heart attack in 2011, oh, age 47. God. Awful. That shows, uh, I don't I don't really know kind of how this heart attack came about, but I imagine it's because he was eating Nutella at the age of zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, no. Maybe. We'll yeah. see. But as of April 2022, Giovanni, kind of the, the heir or the uh, ruling the member ruler. of the, the ruler of the Ferrero group, <laughs> oh, 
um, is now worth 36 billion. So he's added just a cheeky 10 billion onto his father's fortune. Oh my um, God. And he's the 36th richest man in the world and the richest man in Italy. My God, 36th richest man in the world from yeah. chocolate spread. From chocolate spread. It just goes to show, like, when you think, when you've got your entrepreneurial hat on, thinking about what the next best idea is, mm. you know, chocolate spread at one point was the one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, so don't shelve your idea. Nope. Until you've fully fleshed it out. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree with you. That's uh, might get that in my kitchen. That quote, like, <laughs> yeah, like a live, 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 laugh, love quote. Don't that. shelve that idea for Michelle. <laughs> it all started with chocolate spread <laughs> mural on the kitchen. Yeah, get on Etsy, mate. You fucking get a few sales each week on that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's how I start my empire. Yeah, yeah. Now quotes, quotes, not been done before. <laughs> quotes. Yeah, chocolate quotes. <laughs> Just chocolate themed quotes. <laughs> That's a proper niche audience. Be smooth, like Nutella. <laughs> There's yeah, a glass niche. of milk in every bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Always point upwards, like a Toblerone. <laughs> <laughs> Always point upwards. <laughs> Does that mean? <laughs> God. Terrible. Um, so with kind of billionaires when i was doing the research like i was expecting to get some juicy details on how much of an absolute monster they were um mm. you know because to be a billionaire you really have to be a bit of a cunt at some point at you do, some yeah, point in your sure. life you have to have kind of leveraged some kind of um bastardism you've to knock people off yeah exactly you've to kill someone at some point exactly whether exactly. that's yourself or through business means yep Spoken like a true businessman there, Miles. <laughs> the amount of things I start saying on this podcast and don't know where I'm yeah, going yeah, with yeah. it. <laughs> it's becoming an issue. <laughs> oh, God. But um, no, not for this guy. For my research, every article I found on Michele Ferrero was incredibly positive. Yeah, really? Yeah, nice guy. Yeah, nice guy. He was highly uh, religious dude. And his faith kind of affected the company greatly. He had a statue of the Madonna, not the pop singer, the religious figure. Um, <laughs> With a shell, a shell bra on. Yeah. <laughs> um, ah, yeah. it's the queen of pop. It's the queen of pop. <laughs> she makes the Nutella extra smooth. <laughs> extra smooth. Ah, Madonna. No, he had a statue of the Madonna um, at every Ferrero plant and every Ferrero mm. office to watch over the employees. Um, Probably had like camera oh. in the eyes or something like that, just to make sure they went slacking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone thought he was doing a dead nice thing, dead religious thing, but now he's actually just using it to spy on. It's just like infrared cameras. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He put a keen emphasis, he had a keen emphasis on social responsibility with the company providing healthcare, childcare, and kind of cultural activities for all its employers. Mm. A quote we have from kind of the current. Uh, kind of he is the current italian president sergio mattarella this quote is from when uh, michelle passed away says i have learned with emotion of the passing of michelle ferrero a true entrepreneur known and loved in italy and abroad italy remembers him with gratitude mm. this is very strange mm. very kind of you don't get you know this kind of glowing reviews from most billionaires that are out there yeah billionaire like conglomerate yeah. Folk. Yeah, exactly. Mm. When he was alive, he wore uh, dark dra uh, dark glasses in public and he was intensely private and kind of almost all manners. He never gave right, okay. 
any public newspaper interviews, despite kind of being coined the real life Willy Wonka, <laughs> which is cool. In his uh, tax haven home of Monte Carlo, he had a private chocolate laboratory, which is pretty fucking wild no to think way. about, isn't it? Whoa. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's insane. I read this um, article. I'll, I'll share it on the um, Instagram mm. when this uh, when this episode comes out. Um, it's basically a one of the journalists from The Guardian is like one of the only people to have been allowed to go into this chocolate laboratory no um and he like gives an account of it and uh, yeah I'll, that's awesome I'll, I'll, I'll link it so you guys can read it but it's um sounds crazy sounds crazy e- evil chocolate layer yeah exactly yeah yeah just la- layer not layer layer, layer. <laughs> chocolate layer chocolate layer <laughs> layer <laughs> Chocolate layer. Layers of chocolate in my chocolate layer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bloody hell. Bloody hell. Anyway, there you go. The history of Nutella. A jar of joy that was birthed Mm. as a result of a naval blockade by Napoleon himself. Reborn thanks to Hitler and his Nazis and made into the global powerhouse it is today thanks to the vision of Michelle Ferrero and the Ferrero family. Nutella. Nutella. Bloody hell. Nutella. So that one decision of Napoleon to cut off the British is what led to the 36th richest man in the world. Yeah. And a, and a soft spreadable chocolate empire. Saying, isn't it? Saying these little, little, little kind of butterfly effects. That, um, yeah. effects. That's it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure that Napoleon will crop up again. So his decisions throughout Napoleon's career, mm. like just for an example, for someone just to hone in on here, like there'll be other foods that have come off of decisions that he's made. Yeah. Just because that's how fucking history works, isn't it? Yeah, just yeah. Like, Definitely. Decisions are made and like you said, butterfly effects and ripples and yeah. people are born, people are killed and things happen. Mm-hmm. Mad. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Um, what the hell? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's also cool because this is like the first kind of like brand of food that we've done, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, so. So it's kind of an interesting avenue for us to go down because yeah. these, these, these companies have a lot of history as well. And in some cases- Yeah will have a lot more kind of human history as well. So you get kind of more mm. of the political kind of intrigue and the infighting and the conspiracies. And like, I, yeah, I imagine exactly. if we ever cover like Nestle or <laughs> anything like that, yeah. there'll be oh some God. horrendous shit that we'll have to cover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right though, aren't you? Because it's like the brands are run by people and there's things that happen within those exactly. brands to help them grow. And exactly. Or if things happen that damage the brand, it's all mm-hmm. part of that story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I imagine we'll have to get a team yeah. of lawyers on hand when we cover um, some of these <laughs> Oh dear. Oh, that was awesome. A a smashing one for the first one back. Smashing one for sure. The first one back. Feels good to be back. um, Feels good. Doing it. Feels good. Mm. 20, episode 21. This one is. Episode 21. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The um, next series that we're working on is going to be a, um, it's going to be a good one, I think. Um, Probably a two-parter, I think. Probably. Oh, it's been a while since we've done Mm. the two-parter. Well, there you go. Nutella. I'm going to, well, actually, no, I was going to say I'm going to get some Nutella soon, but I'm not because I just don't eat that anymore, really. No. I've, uh, I'm a new man. Yeah. <laughs> what do you eat instead? I don't see. Um, I don't know. I, I like Marmite on my toast these days. Yeah. Big Marmite. Yeah. Fan. I'm, my my um, taste buds have elevated. They need a bit more of a slap mm. in the morning to wake me up. You know, people do like PB&J. Yeah. You reckon you could do Marmite and Nutella? Do you reckon that'd be like? Ooh. Um, don't know. Marmite and peanut butter works. Mm, exactly. And I but, saw, I saw you um eating them marmite hot cross buns as well the other day. Oh right? god, they were weird. They were really weird. Not good. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Ah. They were um they were from MS. They were marmite and cheese hot cross buns. So, so savory hot cross buns. It was buns. like yeah. 
but it was really weird. I don't know. I, I don't know if I liked it. Sweet. No, not sweet. And um, cheese, like, I don't know. There was no, there was no pieces of cheese in it, but the, the bread tasted intensely of like red Leicester cheese. Wow. Weird. It was like a cheese bread, so like but also like grated cheese marmite. in the batter, in the, in yeah, the dough. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In the dough. So it was like an intensely cheesy flavoured bread, but then it also had marmite through it as well. So it had like wow. a, the aftertaste was kind of, kind of tangy. Strange. It was just, yeah, my, my taste buds were all over the show. <laughs> I didn't know what to make of it. Yeah. I ate them all though. So. <laughs> 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 must have been all right. <laughs> Just imagine by like the fourth one, just he's still dead confused. Like, what is this? No, I was, I was, I was perplexed from the first mouthful to the last. Yeah, and I'm still not sure. Like, if I saw them, I don't know if I'd buy them again. Nah, you would. But then you'd maybe, to, maybe you'd I have would. To, yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to fucking conclude this. Uh. Yeah, I need another go on these. I need to see what what the situation is. Yeah, it's the it, yeah, it's it's by like situating themselves in a grey area of taste that they actually promote the idea of that's, buying more of them. That's how they get <laughs> Because yeah. Yeah. you want to figure out what the fuck's going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really interesting um, marketing idea there. <laughs> Make a product that is questionably shit, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Marmite tangent. Marmite might be an interesting one. Speaking of spreads. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Well, yeah, because you've got like Vegemite over in um, Australia and yeah, the competition yeah, between yeah, those yeah. two. Yeah, well, if you if you enjoyed that episode, please rate us. You can um, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts, and there's a new feature on Spotify now where you can rate podcasts as well. So if mm. you could head there and and give us a, a review on there, that'd be amazing. I think it really helps. I think that it does. Yeah, I think it really does help. I think it helps us show up in other people's searches if we're higher rated and things mm. like that. So if you could take a minute to do that, it would be awesome. And also, yeah, send us an email um, on the on our email address. It's whatthefoodpodcast at gmail.com. Um, let us know what you think of the podcast. And if you want to uh, suggest a, f- a food item or a dish or a drink for us to cover, feel free to do that and we'll give you a shout out and do an episode. So yeah. get in touch. I think that's everything. I think yeah. it is. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll see you in two weeks time for the next episode. Thanks for listening. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye.